0: Thank you.
1: A
2: succession of instants does not constitute time any more than it causes it to disappear. It indicates only its constantly aborted moment of birth. Time is constituted only in the originary synthesis which operates on the repetition of instants. This synthesis contracts the successive independent instants into one another, thereby constituting the lived or living present. It is in this present that time is deployed, To it belong both the past and the future, the past insofar as the preceding instants are retained in the contraction, the future because its expectation is anticipated in this same contraction. The past and the future do not designate instants distinct from a supposed present instant, but rather the dimensions of the present itself insofar as it is a contraction of instants. The present does not have to go outside itself in order to pass from the past to future. Rather, the living present goes from the past to the future, which it constitutes in time, which is to say also from the particular to the general, from the particulars which it envelops by contraction to the general which it develops in the field of its expectation. The difference produced in the mind is generality itself insofar as it forms a living rule for the future this synthesis must be given a name passive synthesis it is not carried out by the mind but occurs in the mind which contemplates prior to all memory and all reflection time is subjective but in relation to the subjectivity of a passive subject passive synthesis or contraction Is essentially asymmetrical. It goes from the past to the future and the present, thus from the particular to the general, thereby imparting direction to the arrow of time. Passive synthesis constitutes our habit of living, our expectation that it will continue, that one of the two elements will appear after the other, thereby assuring the perpetuation of our case. When we say that habit is a contraction, we are speaking not of an instantaneous action which combines with another to form an element of repetition, but rather of the fusion of that repetition in the contemplating mind. A soul must be attributed to the heart, to the muscles, nerves, and cells, but a contemplative soul, whose entire function is to contract a habit. This is no mystical or barbarous hypothesis. On the contrary, Habit here manifests its full generality. It concerns not only the sensory-motor habits that we have, psychologically, but also, before these, the primary habits that we are, the thousands of passive syntheses of which we are organically composed. It is simultaneously, through contraction, that we are habits, but through contemplation that we contract. We are contemplations. We are imaginations. We are generalities, claims and satisfactions.
3: never done this before and the fact is for an entire year I've been in virtual isolation and talking to anybody I don't talk to anybody I, I won't have any friends well, why not Harry well I, I can't find anybody well I want to be friends with so so there I have to write that uh, grace and uh, Chloe is kind of a friend and the few friends that I have had in my life they're they have passed away I mean the close friends um, But that's another matter see i i it's not that i i don't mind i'm sort of like it's okay i don't i don't don't think i really need a big coquetry of people around me Uh, it was fun while it lasted but i'm just as happy to be away from that you know it was part of my work life but what we're doing now is something entirely different and uh, i realize that this really does uh, have a bearing on tying up the loose ends because it bringing to life or letting me see, it's sort of like there's a spotlight in the darkness and there's different, pointing at different things. Maybe at the end, everything becomes illuminated and it's all a big floodlight turns on and then you're,
2: okay, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to stay with the body for another moment. And then okay, um, we feel the vulnerability of the body, but we also feel that the body protects us and the body protects you from the exterior world. And then there are things that start to happen inside the body. So I was just wondering, did, if you already have such a animus relationship with your body, and then something happens where your body, say, fails you, that just gives you more reason to be pissed off at it in a way, right? Or
3: Well, n- normally, or usually, if I were to say, am i being honest, if I say this, I don't even think about the body very much. It's only when something is wrong with it, then you're likely to notice it. Oh, my God, did I, am I having a heart attack? No, it's just little indigestion. You know, it's okay. It's okay. I have a great respect for the body. Uh, even in its inhibited state, it has served me well. I'm really grateful that uh, even after 81 years here, um, you know, it's still... It's still hauling me around, for God's sake. You know, it, it's doing its thing, and I'm, uh, you know, and in a certain way, um, well, uh, what I wanted to jump to was the sense of not being any age in particular, in spite of the fact that the body, the body has maybe developing some, but I've taken them in stride to this, to this extent that I've got them. They're not that bad, some frailties or pains or whatever. So they're not like overwhelming. So they're they're just part of the package, but they're not uh, they're not deli- they're not harmful. Of the overview, the body is still in pretty good shape, it seems, compared to other people that are already dead. Especially, of course, they've moved on to better maybe better bodies if they've come
2: back already. I mean, let's just hearing you talk about all these experiences, just you know, in this sort of condensed way. There are a lot of things I'd ever knew. Mm-hmm. And in some ways it's amazing that, that you're in such good health after all of the uh well you see the
3: words i'm conditioned by the phraseology that i have learned these words and therefore i can repeat the words and i don't they don't really mean anything because i don't know what they mean i'm a spiritual being having a human experience i'm a being of spirit that's having a human experience in in my teaching i'm going back to my one my teaching and i used to do a unit on self-awareness and i was part of a progressive curriculum uh, and it would begin with self-awareness and it would end with job awareness and integrating the two and this was my own curriculum that i i designed i left it there because they're not using it anymore things have gotten but anyhow in order to figure out what kind of job would be suitable for you, you have to know about yourself. You know, you have to know whether you have an aptitude to use your hands, you want to use your head. You know, what do you want to do? Well, I just need a job because I need to earn some money. Well that that that's that's short sighted. I understand sometimes you gotta take any kind of job at all, but on the other hand it's it's better if you can find a job that suits you and to which you are suited based on your unique attributes. So that's where self-awareness came in at the start. So my uh, approach to self-awareness was to design a model of uh, triangle with three circles: physical, mental, and emotional; body, mind, and soul. And in the middle, spirit. And spirit is the energy source, the energy source. So that's what I mean by spirit being. This energy source that's the spirit and it radiates outward and it manifests through what you do which is the physical to what you think which is the metal into what you feel which is the part i associate with the soul the emotional part if there is an emotional part it's located anyhow and the whole point of knowing that is who is who who's in charge of you you have to be in charge of yourself we are obligated to be in charge of ourselves in life and that translates down you have to be in charge and all they care about on a job is how you act can you show up on time can you keep your pants zipped can you you know be appropriate in public company so that's all that work there they don't give a shit. you can feel like a piece of shit, but you still have to get your body there and the body has to function so you on the other hand have to understand that well to you have to be in charge of what you're thinking and how you're feeling because those things have a bearing on how you're going to act. You have to be in charge of your energy. So that's why it started on that kind of abstract, because it's foundational. Now, I forgot why I was even talking about any of that, but uh, I don't know why I was talking about any of that. Do you remember? <laughs> what did you ask me? Oh, the body, about the body. Yeah, about the body. Uh, I don't know what that ties in with the body, but that was self-awareness, becoming aware of the body as having some bearing on. <laughs> you need a body in order to smoke. You can't smoke if you don't have a body, and if you're still stuck with the urge, as in that movie Ghosts, you know, then you're you're up a up a crick, man. Got to suck it up by being hanging out with a smoker.
0: <laughs>
3: well why don't we take like a short break good idea in, and then... take a log break <laughs> um. <laughs> what time is it is it i used to oh i do have a <laughs> um. <laughs>
0: Thank <laughs> you.
2: The synthesis of time constitutes the present in time. It is not that the present is a dimension of time. The present alone exists. Rather, synthesis constitutes time as a living present, and the past and the future as dimensions of this present. This synthesis is nonetheless intratemporal, which means that this present passes. We could no doubt conceive of a perpetual present. A present which is co-extensive with time. It would be sufficient to consider contemplation applied to the infinite succession of instants, but such a present is not physically possible. The contraction implied in any contemplation always qualifies in order of repetition, according to the elements or cases involved. It necessarily forms a present which may be exhausted and which passes, present of a certain duration which varies according to the species, the individuals, the organisms and the parts of the organisms under consideration. Two successive presents may be contemporaneous with a third present, more extended by virtue of the number of instants it contracts. The duration of an organism's present, or of its various presents, will vary according to the natural contractile range of its contemplative souls. In other words, fatigue is a real component of contemplation. It is correctly said that those who do nothing tire themselves most. Fatigue marks the point at which the soul can no longer contract what it contemplates, the moment at which contemplation and contraction come apart. We are made up of fatigues as much as of contemplations. That is why a phenomenon such as need can be understood in terms of lack. From the point of view of action and the active syntheses which it determines, but as an extreme satiety or fatigue from the point of view of the passive synthesis by which it is conditioned. More precisely, need marks the limit of the variable present. The present extends between two eruptions of need and coincides with the duration of a contemplation. The repetition of need and of everything which depends upon it expresses the time which belongs to the synthesis of time, the intratemporal character of that synthesis. Repetition is essentially inscribed in need, since need rests upon an instance which essentially involves repetition, which forms the for itself of repetition and the for itself of a certain duration. All our rhythms, our reserves, our reaction times, the thousand intertwinings, the presence and fatigues of which we are composed. Are defined on the basis of our contemplations. The rule is that one cannot go faster than one's own present, or rather, one's presence. A scar is the sign not of a past wound, but of the present fact of having been wounded. We can say that it is the contemplation of the wound, that it contracts all the instants which separate us from it into a living present. These thousands of habits of which we are composed, these contractions, contemplations, pretensions, presumptions, satisfactions, fatigues, these variable presents, thus form the basic domain of passive synthesis.
1: The Hunchback in the Park The Hunchback in the Park A solitary mister Propped between trees and water From the opening of the garden lock That lets the trees and water enter Until the Sunday somber bell at dark Eating bread from a newspaper Drinking water from the chained cup That the children filled with gravel in the fountain basin where I sailed my ship slept at night in a dog kennel but nobody chained him up like the park birds he came early like the water he sat down and mister they called hey mister the truant boys from the town running when he heard them clearly on out of sound past lake and rockery laughing when he shook his paper hunchbacked in mockery through the loud zoo of the willow groves dodging the park keeper with his stick that picked up leaves and the old dog sleeper alone between nurses and swans while the boys among willows made the tigers jump out of their eyes to roar on the rockery stones and the groves were blue with sailors made all day until bell time a woman figure without fault straight as a young elm straight and tall from his crooked bones that she might stand in the night after the locks and chains all night in the unmade park after the railings and shrubberies the birds the grass the trees the lake and the wild boys innocent as strawberries had followed the hunchback to his kennel in the dark
2: So, earlier, a lot of what we're doing is you're recalling memories. Yes. So, I wonder about... Creating some new ones, too, right here and now. Yes. Um, The relationship between memory and time. You being older... Damn right. (laughs) Older than dirt. Do you... There's this idea that memory sort of collapses time. Um, I, I'm guessing I'm wondering if you think that that's true if there's a feeling that that's a very heavy question that's
3: <laughs> very very heavy <laughs> memory collapsing time uh, what's hard for me to grasp and I'm changing the topic a little bit because I don't know if I answer your question it's been said that time itself is a construct I don't know who said that but that seemed appropriate for me to make that statement right now, uh, a construct as opposed to something that just is. In other words, it's, it's illusionary, or it's loose, it, it's not real. And I don't know what time, you know, we, don't, we I don't, I don't know what time is. Nobody can really, we know what time is unless we try to look at it, and then we're, what is it? Um, there's the past, there's the present, there's the future, and then there's now. But now is not in time, and therefore, if one is in now, there is no time. Uh, But that doesn't mean anything, does it? I mean, it sounds like mumbo-jumbo. So the only thing that we know for a fact is now. But wherever we are in the river of time, the only way to know it is through now. Uh, And then memory, it fades away in in both... in both directions. Um, so to answer your question, yes. <laughs> Whatever your question was, the answer is yes. <laughs> is that clear? <laughs> uh, is is uh, time? Uh, does time get lost in memory, or does memory get lost in time? Yes,
2: I think it does. Something like that. Do you feel that it's ever possible to really be in the now? Because even as we sit here right now, mm-hmm. the instant that I say that, it becomes the past. Right. And as I say what I'm saying to you, you're thinking about what I'm saying to you, but you're already thinking about no, something else. I'm that's... just in the now. I'm not thinking of the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm allowing you to babble on, but I'm not, I'm not there. <laughs> uh, um, but I I'm wondering something I've always wondered about is the idea of is there really a present because our present is constantly filled by the past the long the long past the historical past but also the immediate past so I'm wondering you're saying the now how does one live in the now
3: moment by moment uh... And that reminds me of another, uh, I don't know how this applied to the unit, maybe not in self-awareness, but talking about the past and the present and the future, and then the concept of now. And this is probably influenced by, it, we were talking about people that, that influenced you in your life. Well, the book, Be Here Now, and Ram Das, who is one of my uh, influences, uh, who wrote that book called Be Here Now in the 60s, Um, I used to draw a sequence uh, for my classes of uh, nows and kind of like what I'm doing here going on and on and on and uh, the fact is if one is here now and then we are in the next now that comes along we are advancing in time but we're not aware of it because we're, we're at the same time we're simultaneously in now. So, th- there's like two different flows, and if one is in now, and that now, time is more, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, it's like, is a, is a part, is, is a wave, is, is light a wave or a particle? It, it's, it's neither or both. or something entirely other because we don't have words to really talk what you know i don't know what they are so even time therefore it it has the river of time it seems legitimate to look at it that way but at the same time simultaneously that there is this idea of standing in now in the flow of time so in some fashion uh, now is more of a state of mind than a temporal unit so you have to have, I guess, a, a different, you have to be in a different state of mind in order for now to emerge. And that's maybe where meditation comes in or whatever Ram Das was professing. I, I've never really learned how to meditate, I don't believe. And I'm not too interested, I guess, in it, or I would have known it by now, maybe. But I, I do like to contemplate, and maybe they're related. So, but... Uh, there are a lot of things that Ramdas has talked about that that go over my head, so I'm not really not really sure about a lot of the things that he, he's indicated. I'm sorry, I feel like I'm you're allowing
2: to babble on and end up against the wall here. So, so I just since you brought up the relation time as a river, I just I had mentioned the quotes thing, so I'm just going to read a quote and then good, you respond good. to the quote. If I would like to hear it. Time is the substance I am made of. Time is a river which sweeps sweeps me along, but I am the river. It is a tiger which destroys me, but I am the tiger. It is a fire which consumes me, but I am the fire. That's beautiful. Did you write that? No. That's uh, Jorge
3: Luis Borges. Oh. Well, that, that's, a, that's an example of what I would call mysticism. I mean, that's pretty far out stuff. So that's very very nice if yes. you uh, if you study stuff like that uh you go to the head of the class <laughs> um read it again will you mind I, yeah. I'm sorry it was so deep I, it takes me a
2: while to get it time is the substance I am made of time is a river which sweeps me along but I am the river it is a tiger which destroys me but I am the tiger it is a fire which consumes me but I am the fire
3: now, can you, out of that entire thing, extrapolate the essence in one... See, I'm projecting here. I'd like to hear one one phrase of it again. Read it again, and I'll interrupt the part I want to hear.
2: Time is the substance I am made of. Time is a river which sweeps me along, but I am the river.
3: There. Read that, that one sentence again. Time is a
2: river which sweeps me along, but I am the river.
3: See, that to me, in some way, I think... Paraphrases this business of being in now and in the river of time at the same time if you are the river you are always the river you're always now that's the constancy if you're in the moving part then you're you're still in you're still in the you're still in the now though so you you can be in both at the same time i guess that i mean that's what i felt in that one little part of it the rest of it is kind of it, it adds on to that, but I, it's something concrete for me. I need something like that to to, to grasp. But
2: very beautiful. Has there ever been a, a moment in your life or a time in your life where you could wish, where you wish that you could stop time?
3: No, I don't think so. No, no, no. I have enjoyed the movement through time. Um, yeah, it's all it's accumulative so that there is a, a layer upon layer upon layer upon layer upon layer and that there's a residue that maybe persists through time so that there is something that is additive at least in the first half of life and then the second half of life is giving it back is stripping it away and, uh, and giving it all back eventually so that when one departs, ideally, that uh, you're as free and open as you were when you first arrived, if you were, if there are other than karmic pressures, whatever those might be.
2: The Northern Prince says time is out of joint. Can it be that the Northern philosopher says the same thing? That he should be Hamletian because he is edible. The joint, cards, is what ensures the subordination of time to those properly cardinal points through which pass the periodic movements which it measures. Time, number of the movement, for the soul as much as for the world. By contrast, Time out of joint means demented time, or time outside the curve which gave it a god, liberated from its overly simple circular figure, freed from the events which made up its content, its relation to movement overturned, in short, time presenting itself as an empty and pure form. Time itself unfolds, that is, apparently ceases to be a circle instead of things unfolding within it, following the overly simple circular figure. It ceases to be cardinal and becomes ordinal, a pure order of time. Beginning and end no longer coincided. The synthesis is necessarily static, since time is no longer subordinated to movement. Time is the most radical form of change, but the form of change does not change. 97.7,
4: 7.7 3 16, 20. 97.2 3 20 20, 97.2, 3, 23, 20, 97.4, 3, 24, 20, 97.5, 3, 27, 20, 96.7, 3, 28, 20, 97.9, 3, 29, 20, 98.1, 3, 31, 20, 98.3, 4, 2, 20, 98.6, 4, 11, 20, seven.4 96.9. 95.4. 9, 4, 5 5, 13. 97.6. 90, 90, 95.4. 5 5 5 4, 15. 97.9. 95. 18. 5.4, Ovulation. five, twenty-one, twenty, ninety-eight point two five twenty two ninety eight point six ninety Eight point six six nine T eight point six twenty nine T eight point six point nine T eight point six 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 nine T 8.66.6.6.6.6.6.6.6.6.6 6.6 6 6 10 6, 17, 97.2, 6, 16, 96.9, 6, 20, 97.2, 6, 22, 20, 98.10, 6, 22, 20, 98.1, 6, 23, 20, 97.4 Six twenty ninety-seven point two. 97.2.
5: Tyler Edders. I'm an artist, and like just about all artists I know during 2020, there's been no shortage of confusion. It's been a procrastinator's haven, full of excuses, delays, emotional ruptures. I'd love to come to you with the story about how I triumphed over it and made the most of this time and was very productive, but that wouldn't be entirely true, but it's not entirely false. The first couple weeks of the pandemic were a complete haze. Oversleeping, then never sleeping, over-drinking, eating Oreos, mindless video games like Diablo 3. All of it overshadowed my desperate attempts to hold on to old habits like writing music and painting. I did manage to keep a regular blog at this time, which I'm quite proud of. The day that WHO declared it a pandemic was coincidentally the day I started antidepressants again. I haven't used antidepressants since my teenage years, and those were dark, dark times. They pushed me to the edge of suicide, so I flushed them down the toilet. It was a big decision to give them another shot. But with the support of my family and therapist, I'm happy to report that I've been having good results this time around. All that to say, I've had plenty of excuses to not do things, you know, just sort of be. There are plenty of anxiety-filled nights, harrowing, harrowing weeks. I have an imagination, you know? I've read enough science fiction and have an open enough mind There's lots of different ways those first few weeks could have gone down. I'm really thankful we're somewhat on the other side of it. There's still a lot of suffering and there's still a lot of people dying from it all. That makes me really sad. I think this rush to reopen all the states is completely delusional. I don't understand it, but then when I put my capitalist hat on, I fully understand it. Not to mention, once there is a vaccine, we're going to have to convince all the anti-vaxxers and conspiracy theorists to actually take it So, it is with some shame that I report to you that the last month or so has been one of the best months of my life. Shame and guilt, I guess? Last October, Sage, my wife, and I decided to become commuter spouses. She was to move to Los Angeles, and I was to stay in Chicago. Again, capitalism tore us apart. We made a lot of spreadsheets, rented trailers and U-Hauls, and spent hundreds of dollars on moving supplies. 2019 was an extremely dark year for me. The whole thing eclipsed by our impending separation, just counting down the days until our peaceful life together was to be shattered. I'd visit her and our cats once a month or so. When the pandemic was starting, we made sure to be together here in LA. And after a few weeks here, it dawned on me that I just needed to stay here. And so, with a tragic hilarity, I realized that most of my angst and suffering from 2019 was for nothing. We were to end up being reunited anyways. I broke my lease in Chicago and that was that. At an artistic level, I decided it was time to invest in a monome grid and arc, which are two of the most sophisticated pieces of music technology on the planet. You get to program them yourself if you want, which I do want. It's been a creative renaissance for me. I've been able to realize ideas that I haven't before. I made a program that plays music with Markov chains, another that makes music with cellular automata, another that lets you paint with all 65,536 combinations of 16th note patterns. The texture of reality feels really different now. For a long time, this was jarring and upsetting, but with the George Floyd protests, it feels feels like we really snapped over the edge of something. Mel, a good friend of mine, said the other day that 2020 is the year where time switched over from linear to fractal, and at first that filled me with anxiety, but then I'm here for it. That sounds great. I'm going to leave you with an excerpt from Mamoru Oshii's 1995 film, Ghosts in the Shell. Keep creating. Help others keep creating. Farewell.
4: Identity. I want to guarantee that I can still be myself.
5: There isn't one. Why would you wish to? All things change in a dynamic environment. Your effort to remain what you are is what limits you.